This hymn is entitled, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow, and we'd like to read a verse from Matthew 6. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. ladies. What a great truth, isn't it? We can trust our God. He knows tomorrow. I do not. (laughs) 
but God does, and so we can trust him. Well, it's uh, a privilege for me to be in the pulpit today. Pastor and Miss Janie are down south in Florida. uh, Pastor Dan, I think, said the first, maybe it was this hour, he said the sunshine state. (laughs) Um, Wasn't trying to rub it in, I'm sure, but um, we've had our son this week, so we can praise the Lord for that. Um, But it is it is just a blessing to be up here, and I'm just God's given me a message, I believe, for t- this morning, and I just pray that uh, you'll be blessed by it. If you would open your Bibles to Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61, <clears throat> this um, there's just been a truth that's kind of been uh, just kind of kind of stuck in my mind for the last few days since my devotions this last Wednesday, and. And I really wasn't sure about what to preach this morning. Um, could have preached on 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and, uh, as I've been doing that on Sunday evenings. But I, this, this truth of beauty for ashes uh, just kept gripping me. And, and some of you may say, well, what does that mean? Well, we'll talk about that. But it's reading through the life of Joseph and all the things that took place to Joseph, all those things, and um, just really horrible things that were kind of out of his control and Bad things and all these bad things that took place. But then what God ended up doing um, later when he was 30 and uh, really taking him out out of the prison there and anointing him to be second in command over everything of Pharaoh and of Egypt. Amazing, amazing change in position, an amazing change in his circumstances and what God did there. Uh, Just amazing. Could you imagine what a what a radical change took place in his life? And I was thinking about the Christian life and what God has done in us. And so I really feel impressed this morning to look at this passage. Uh, We'll read the first three verses um, after I pray. Thinking about how God offers us beauty for our ashes. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your great love to us. Lord, we know that mankind going his own way. And each one of us, Lord, we've we've made our own choices many times, and we've created, boy, just uh, problems. And uh, Lord, our own way just leads to really even more problems, and and nothing of any eternal value. And Lord, as we're going to call them ashes today, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the beautiful work that you can do in our lives, and remember our identity that we can have in Christ when we come to know Him. And I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage folks today. Help us, Lord, to be at one with you today, to be in fellowship with you. Lord, I pray if there are any be lost today that are going a, a path, down a path that's just leading to more, more ashes, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to come to know Jesus as their Savior and to yield and to accept him and the free gift of eternal life. Lord, I pray now that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start reading in verse 1. By the way, this is the passage that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, quoted in the New Testament, Luke 4. And he he read read the scroll, he rolled up the scroll, and he said, Today this is fulfilled. And we'll we'll show you where that was at exactly in the verse, because it's right mid-sentence of what Christ was doing. Isaiah writes in verse 1, he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's where Jesus closed the scrolls and said, today this is fulfilled. Amazing. This truly had implications of the future of Christ's first coming, but it also has implications to Christ's second coming. Let's keep reading, because really I think that's the implication. The message really comes from the later part here, but we'll talk about that. And the day of vengeance of our God. Truly, Christ's second coming will not be like a lamb, but like a lion to those that do not know him. And there will be a time of judgment for those that do not turn to him. And he says, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion or Jerusalem, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. What a wonderful passage here and so many great promises from our God and so so much encouragement and help. And you see the the preacher here as a, a preacher and a proclaimer of good tidings and a healer and like a physician and and such hope in the Lord that we can have. And this morning, I want us to to really key in on this little phrase, beauty for ashes. And talk about what God can do in our lives. I want to start by talking about the ashes of our life. And I've entitled it, The Ashes of Mourning. When you think of ashes in our, in our day, in our society, what do you think of? Cremation. Cremation. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what a lot of us would think of maybe right away. It'll be interesting how that'll fit in as we talk about Israel here. And truly, the, the part where I'm in is really a, a future promise to Israel. It's really the fact that Israel one day will come back and they will have their own nation and they will have something beautiful that God will have on this earth. And I believe this is talking about Christ's millennial reign and, and what he will do. But they're not there yet. In fact, as we have this idea of, of ashes, you think of cremation and spreading the ashes. And isn't it something how um, you think of a whole person and now all you have is just this little yearn of, of someone left. Someone said in the first service, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think it's valid for us to say that, to think about this and the fact of Israel and all that they went through and everything and then to go through the Holocaust and everything and so many Things where people were burned to death and the ashes that were there, I think really caused a lot of the nations to say that this, these people should have a land for themselves later. They went through a time of trials and horrible conflict and things, but ultimately one day Jesus will return. You think about Israel right now, Israel is, is surrounded by not comrades, but enemies. And uh, there you go and you get off a plane and you see a soldier with a machine gun. Uh, I don't see that. We might have police officers with handguns, but we're used to that. But you might go to a restaurant and, and there in the restaurant, they might have gas masks for you if in case that you might need that, in case there's something that could hurt your health. We, we don't live in that type of um, surroundings or fear or concern. We don't live in things like that. But one day Christ will return and he'll set up his kingdom. And it truly will be beauty for ashes. But as we think of that idea of ashes, the cremation can come to our mind. We can 
Just think of things that are consumed. Think about ashes. Ashes come as a result of of fire burning up something and it being consumed. And isn't it amazing as we go on our family campouts for church here and, and many of the men, they'll try to, I almost wonder if there's a competition to see who can bring the most wood or something. <laughs> you know, they'll bring the wood and, and uh, we'll sit around the fire and they're, they're pretty good sized fires, but all this wood and you put it in there and that next morning and it's, it's down to just ashes, just a little bit. And when my kids were, were younger, um, little kids, they like to go over there and stick a, stick a, um, a branch or a limb into the fire pit and stir up the ashes to see if there's any fire still there, but also just to kind of play because it's, it's kind of, it's just dusty and it's just to them, it's kind of neat things, but it's, it's nothing, nothing of substance left. It's just dirty and it's, it's gone to really nothing and it's burnt up. And you know, in the Bible, often ashes were the idea of mourning. They would go and they would get ashes and they would rub it all over themselves. And often they would rip their clothes and they would put sackcloth uh, uh, um, on themselves. Kind of like what you'd like potato, what you find potatoes in and the, in the bag. There's something like that they would put on and it was a sign of great mourning. And that there was a loss in their life of great amount. Something that took place in their life in their mourning. And, and there's multiple times in the Bible, even Mordecai, when Mordecai hears about how evil Haman has gotten the authority from the king to go and kill all of the Jews. Mordecai rips his clothes and he puts ashes all over himself and puts sackcloth on and he mourns and pleads with God and asks for God's mercy and ultimately talks to Esther to approach the king and ask for um, really God to do to do a work there and to Haman. Just amazing what took place there um, in the gallows and how Really, Haman ended up dying on it himself. And so we think of all these things in, in really the morning, and we think of the ashes of mourning in the Bible. Often it's a time of mourning and great loss and sorrow and, and looking to God. And there's several different times in the Bible. But I want us to think this morning, this idea of beauty for ashes, and I want to focus on the ashes in our lives. The ashes in our lives. Often there is the burning of others' fires. We can be charred. Or we can have some ashes in our lives. This is a sad deal when really um, we become a victim of someone else's actions or sinful behavior. Now, lots of times in our society, everybody's a victim, you know, and they always say this. We need to take responsibility for our own choices. But there's no doubt that there are times where we become a victim of other people's bad choices and evil choices. And there's nothing worse than this being other family members that have hurt us. It's the worst when it's family, the people that you love and you open yourself up to and you care and you be hurt by them. There's some maybe that have been hurt by in a, in a church before and have been hurt by others. And it's tough. And I always tell people. Any church you go to, there's never a perfect church because it's made up of what? Imperfect people, sinners. But folks, we've been hurt and nothing like. Nothing more grievous to read about than Joseph and his life. And in him, you know, maybe he shouldn't have shared some of the dreams that he had and them bowing down to him and the stacks falling and the star. Maybe he shouldn't have shared those. I don't know. But God was definitely showing him. But he did share those things. And his brothers became envious. And his dad uh, made him that, that fine coat. They became envious and jealous. So much so to the point they wanted to kill him. Wow. But though. 
I think Judah stepping up said, let's not kill him, but let's or um, um, one of the one of the sons there, or brothers stepping up and saying, let's not kill him, but let's end up putting him in the pit and uh, wanting to save, go back and save him. But then they sell him into slavery. Could you imagine? I can't imagine. I know little kids, my boys, they might say something like that being funny or something. But when you think about the ultimate of selling your own brother into slavery. Wow. Reading about David Livingston um, with our family and him really going and trying to get to the interior of Africa to try to to reach the people. And one of the other goals was to find a river or something that could go all the way in there so they could get commerce in there and get the gospel in there. But he said how sad it was to go in and to see these native people of the land chained in bonds on their way to the slave ships. Because often they captured people from other tribes and they would sell them for for guns or different, just various clothing, just like cotton things. And he said to himself, I can't believe how I used to work in the cotton mills and in weaving all the things. I would work 12 hours a day and to think that some of that stuff was being traded for these slaves to go and to go out. How sad it was. But can you imagine Joseph being sold into slavery and then going and really working his way up in Potiphar's house and to the point of overseeing everything and then having Potiphar's wife want to to know him and have relations with him and him saying no and no and then finally fleeing from that and his garment is placed there and she rips her clothing and calls out these false accusations and really just says, look what you've done with your Hebrew slave you've brought here. Oh, how tough. Boy, how tough that can be. And folks, there are times that there is the ashes that we're burned by others. People have burned us. And sometimes it's family or it's it's others. Sometimes people take advantage of us. There's abuse that takes place. There can be slander. There can be all kinds of gossip and different things. There can be even stealing, theft before Christmas, my wife, at, at, she had a part-time job. She had a, one of the ladies came in who she had gotten to know, and she was a believer too. And she explained how that last night her son had came in and wanting money for meth had beat her up. How sad. But you know as well as I do that sometimes these things, in man's humanity, in his sinfulness, these horrible things happen. I heard of a story when I was out in Montana over Christmas about a man, I believe it was in Bozeman um, or somewhere around there, but he had um, someone had came in and, and, and stolen some things from his house. Came in and twice, I believe, someone took some things of significant value and he was very burned by that, very hurt. And you know, folks, when you're hurt by others, it's very easy to become bitter at those that have done wrong or to be bitter at God. But he thought in man's own humanity and, and not taking care of these things and putting God in your thought and, and forgiving and get, seeking that beauty that we're going to talk about from God, boy, one thing leads to another. This man, he, he thought in his mind, I know how to put a stop to this. I know how to get back. Maybe he thought of getting back of those that had done this. Um, though truly they don't know if he got back. But what he did is at night he opened his garage door. And if I understand right, he put a purse out in the garage there, right out in the open. 
And he sat in the back corner where it was dark with his gun, and he just waited. And he waited, and some college students went by, and one of the college students saw it, and he went in to grab the purse, and the guy unloaded on him and killed him. Horrible. Now, you could say in your mind, well, that boy should never have came in, and that is true. But you can also say that guy was baiting him to inflict harm. It's been through the court system, and that man will spend time in jail for killing this person. The kid, he wasn't innocent. It was not right. But you think about these things led one thing to another to another. He might have had other problems too. Don't get me wrong. But folks, the ashes that we can have in being charred and burned by others is very real. It's very real. And truly, Israel had been had many of the things that they were going through was self-inflicted. And that's really my next point is the burning of self-destruction. The Bible is very clear. If you go your own way, it leads to death, leads to problems. We want to hold on to everything we can, and we don't want to give ourselves up to God and yield ourselves to God. We're afraid of his claim on my life, and, and we want to go our own way. But folks, one decision after another, living for self only leads to further problems. Only further problems. Sometimes these are youthful decisions. Someone has said the largest fires can start with the smallest of sparks. The wind can fan the flame and it can grow and grow and become a great massive forest fire. Just a little decision. A little decision without putting God in our thoughts and looking to him. So important. Bad habits can start at a young age. And they can continue and continue. And bad habits are very tough to break with godly habits. But truly, God can do work. Very important for parents to be training their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We saw this with, really, the brothers of Joseph. Finally, they get, and years later, they come back to Egypt. And right away, Joseph knows who these these men are. Really devises a way to, to kind of humble them. And, and to get the youngest brother to come back and all these things. And the last time that they are told that they have the certain cup that was Joseph's. They cry out. I think Judah cries out. and He said, we have sinned. It is our iniquity. It is our time now that we've realized that all these things that we've done. And now's the time we're going to pay for what we did to Joseph was self-inflicted. Truly, Joseph knew and they found forgiveness and all those things. But folks, so often it's so easy to destroy our own lives. Truly, there's a happy ending in that story. But can you imagine living with the guilt of what they had done that whole life and their father and telling their father and all those things? You see, in our lives, it's selfishness in marriage. Marriage truly isn't a 50-50 partnership. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's selflessness. selflessness. It's, it's showing that love and loving that person even when they're not helping back. No greater way to see that is when one person's ill. How you can love that other person. But selfishness in marriage can ruin a marriage. Neglect to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Not to train them, but let others train them or the TV or just put them off. Be consumed with your career or your job or extra things. Can be indulgent in pleasure. 
God gives things for us to enjoy, but to keep indulging and indulging and indulging can lead to things that don't really matter. It can be caught up in materialism. Truly materialism, there's that idea that if you have enough money and you get enough things, you'll have true joy and happiness and everything will be grand and, and great. And that money cannot buy happiness. We've seen that time and time again with different so-called stars in Hollywood. It's just smoke and mirrors. The outside may look good, but the inside is just ashes. Truly, it's not just the ashes, the burning of others, uh, others' fires or the burning of self-destruction, but there is the, let's call this the burning acts of God. There are times in our lives where things happen, certain situations occur, certain circumstances when, when truly... We don't understand what God is doing. God is putting us through a trial that does not make sense, such as was the trial for Job. Truly, it was a a time of a fiery trial that he didn't understand that God was actually lifting him up and saying, look at my servant Job and all that was taking place. And we, we still can't totally comprehend what all God was doing, but we get to see the end of the story and what God did there. But there are times in our lives when we don't understand what God is doing. And it burns. And we can, we can allow it to burn us and to eat us up and become very bitter. And even angry and mad at God. And God is causing us to go through those fiery trials. But there's a purpose. It's not just to burn us up, but it's to refine us. Like gold is refined. And define, define our faith and help us to look to Him. The burning acts of God. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. You see the fiery trials in our life that God gives us and sometimes there is persecution from others and others. There is a spiritual battle that takes place. God is using those things and we ought not to think it strange. To think it strange. There's been times in my life where I've been burned by others. And I wonder if it's because I'm a Christian. It's maybe not good to dwell on that. There's times recently where I uh, was sharing something about how I helped. Um, uh, I want to be careful, but I felt like I was burned by helping somebody and, and uh, helping somebody all year. And then, and then they shared how all these people had helped with a, a classroom and, and all these other people. And then my name wasn't said and they had flowers and... But, you know, I thought about that. I thought, you know what? We make mistakes, too. People maybe forgot. But you wonder sometimes as a Christian if you're, if you're burned. And there isn't a more of a re- reason for that by unsaved people and things. So something to think about. But the ashes that can occur and how we respond and how we really let go and look to God. You know, truly just our own humanity. Man going his own way leads to truly... Ashes or leads to the idea of something that does not last. A hundred years from now, who will remember you? God will, yes. But maybe not others. The national championship game was last Monday night. How many of you watched it? That is for football, right? (laughs) The whole year, this last year, working toward this. And many of these players working right after the loss that they had in the, I think the, uh, was it the Fiesta Bowl or one of the bowls they had played the year before, they said, 
we're going to go back. We're going to work harder. We're going to take this very serious. We're going to have just a pack together. We're going to work. We're going to do the best we can. Our goal is to reach the national championship. And they did. But, oh, how tough it was to see them lose. But then the next day, to go around Eugene and you go in the grocery stores and the different places, and it's just a, so down in despair and all these things. You know, if that's all you're living for, I can understand why there's despair and there's issues. You know, we love the ducks, but there's that despair. If you're living for that, oh, how shallow. I don't really remember. I'm trying to think back who won the last couple of years. I don't, I don't even know if I remember. Does it really matter in light of eternity? It's the same way with our own life. Truly, only what we yield to God will last. Only us living for his kingdom will last. Man is but dust, the Bible says. One day we will be, if you want to say our body will be ashes, there's more to that too. We're glorified, but the fact is that one day, if we're not living for God, it, it will not last. Only God's kingdom will last. So these ashes we talk about. David Livingston one of his goals, as we've been reading about him, was the idea to get to the heart of, of Africa. And there was one, one tribal leader. And I, I don't know if I can say his name right, but there's a lot of tough names in there, by the way. I think it's Sebatone. Sebatone was a great chief of kind of the southern area and uh, grew up a great chief. Lost a few battles when he was young. But later in life, he won many of the battles and many of the tribes were afraid of this great chief. David Livingston spent many years trying to find this tribe. And he went places where no Scotsman or Englishman had ever went before. And he, he went to these places and finally he found this great chief. This great chief had many, many, they, many people with him and knew much. And could tell him right away that his oxen had been bit by a certain fly and that they were going to die. And David had no idea. But he had just a great knowledge of the wilderness and different things. And very strong and... And really, God had blessed him and prospered him. But when he met this chief, he knew that this chief had the onset of pneumonia. There's something he would smoke and something else that his body was now becoming very frail. Very strong in his youth, had done many mighty things in Africa and was looked up to really by all the tribes. And many of the tribes feared him. But David knew that his life would come short. I believe only about two weeks later, two and a half weeks later, this great chief died. And David Livingston said to himself, I have spent all these years trying to find this man and trying to to reach him with the gospel and to reach these other people, hoping that we can reach others. And he's died. And he thought to himself, oh, how the Africans need the gospel. There's so many dying without Christ and they need to hear about the Savior. Folks, people are dying right around us. They're dying without the hope of what Christ can do. Hopefully, if you're here in this building tonight or this morning, that you know Jesus as your Savior. If not, it's all but ashes you have to look forward to. But that's not the rest of it. Truly, it's it's beauty for ashes. I want to key in on that word beauty. It's really the beautiful work of God. It's a work of beauty that God can do in you. And in Isaiah 61 there, it talks about beauty for ashes. In some of your translations, it might say garland or ornament or a crown 
or a wreath. That's the idea that it's, it's beautiful clothing. It's something that would make them look very attractive, very nice, that would be beautiful, that they would have. They had mourning and sadness, but now God was providing something beautiful, and there was now a joy, and there was now no longer mourning, but there was great God's presence, and God was there, and God's going to do it. And ultimately, God will do that with Israel one day when he sets up his kingdom here on this earth. There will be no longer mourning, but there will be great happiness and great uh, comfort with the Lord's return. But I want you to go to verse 10. This word beauty is, is used again. <clears throat> Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decked himself with ornaments. That word ornaments is that word beauty in our King James, um, um, that word. And as a bride adorned himself with her jewels. You see the work of God here that's talked about? It's, it's saying it's called the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom and a, and a bride adorn themselves for that special day. That's what God, that's the beauty that God can give. It's the salvation that God can save us from going our own way and, and going our way of ashes, that God can save us from our sin, that he can forgive and he can cleanse us and he can begin a good work in us and continue that. And he can do great things in our life. This is the beauty that God speaks of. If you go back to verse 3, it says, of Isaiah 61, it says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise. Key word this morning, praise, and, and as we read this morning, but it was what? Praise him, praise the Lord. The praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness. The planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. It uses this word that we might be called the trees of righteousness. Israel, but I think us and, and what we have in Christ. The tree of righteousness. The righteousness describing the tree, the big oka, the oka of Mamre that they had there in Canaan. The idea is that God, when you come to know God as your Savior, the Lord Jesus, God clothes you with his righteousness. He imputes his righteousness upon you. That's why Jesus came. He came so that he could live that perfect life. Tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. That he could die in our place and take our pain and our wrath that we deserve. And he would die and be raised again. So that we could have that perfect righteousness applied to us. The Bible's clear. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, All our righteousness is as filthy rags. We can't clean ourselves up. Can you imagine trying to clean up ashes and make them beautiful? <laughs> it's not going to happen. You can put them in something and make the outside look good, but it's still ashes. The Bible's clear. All our works is not good enough. They're as filthy rags. But Jesus made a way that we can have his righteousness applied to us, that we can be in Christ. And when God the Father looks at us, he sees Christ and he sees us forgiven. He looks through the lens of the forgiveness and the blood that was shed through Christ. And he looks through what Christ has done and he sees us forgiven. Our identity changes. No longer are we just 
sinners condemned. No longer are we separated from God, but now we can be the children of God. We have a new life in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God does a radical change in our life. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There's that acceptance. You're accepted in Christ. You are a son, a child of God. There is freedom now in Christ. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We reckon it dead and we yield ourselves to God. Boy, what a difference. What a change in our identity. Christian, this is what you are. You are accepted in God. You have freedom through Christ. You are his. You are a new creature in him. God takes us out of the ash pits and he begins to do something beautiful in us. First Peter 2 9 talks about the purpose we have. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, a different, distinct people, that you should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are light bearers of the Lord Jesus. We have hope. First John 3 1. Behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We have a living hope now. You see, God wants. He wants to make beauty for ashes. He wants to begin a good work in you. And he wants to perfect it. And ultimately, that will be perfected one day when we're with him in glory. We'll have a glorified body forever with him where he will take us from those ashes and transform us into that perfect body, just like the Lord Jesus when he rose from the dead. It's beauty for ashes. Something wonderful that God can do and we can identify with God and we can have that identity in Christ you thankful for that but there's one more little word there it says beauty for ashes in place of ashes this is that great exchange that takes place and needs to take place in our life surely there's many here that have came to know christ as their savior and 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 know jesus and you are a child of god and you identify with christ and that's who you are as a person in him But you know, there's times where we're still not going the way God wants us. There's times where we're still living and we're kind of neglecting what God's plan is for us and we're we're kind of we're rebelling against Him and we're we're what? We're going back to that lifestyle of ashes. And we need God's cleansing. We need His cleansing that only He can give. Truly, some today maybe don't know Christ as their Savior. And for some reason, in our, in our own humanity, we don't want to just yield ourselves to God. I don't, maybe it's because, in my mind, I, I think, why not? Beauty for ashes? I mean, someone I say, Yoshi, 
I'll give you $100 for your penny, you know. Do you want to make the deal? Of course, yeah. I mean, to me, it's like a no-brainer, right? And, of course, with God, it's like a million dollars for your money that's not even in currency anymore, you know. <laughs> but it's like a no-brainer. But in man's humanity, in our sin, sinful nature, we, we just we want to reject it because we think that we can take care of ourselves and, and we can bless ourselves and we can prosper. But it, it's in vain. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Folks, you need to yield yourself to God. And you need to accept this free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You need to give up those ashes. The idea is that you take your ashes, (laughs) you take them and you pile them up and you can just see those ashes just falling through your fingers and you offer this to God and you say, God, here's my ashes. Make something beautiful out of me. (laughs) And really, that is nothing. We have nothing to offer to God. We have nothing, but God says, I love you. In spite of your sin, in spite of your consequences, in spite of your evil heart, your your wicked heart, in spite of rejecting and going your own way, I've sent my son. I love you. I will take those and I will do something beautiful with your life and I'll start it now. If you will just give your life and trust me, accept my Savior. And God will begin a great work. Folks, have you ever been to a place where it's all burnt up? Have you ever been somewhere where there's been a, a, a fire? It's devastating. You can go out. I remember um, going out to Hoodoo. How many have been out to Hoodoo along the... There's a big fire that went through there years ago. I don't know how many years ago. But you can go out there. And I've been through there. And we've been out um, skiing in different areas. And you can see where it's been all marred. And there's still effect, side effects to it. Have you ever been somewhere where it just had a fire? you ever walked through that? Walked through the ashes and the cinders, everything? Boy, it's just devastating. But you know what? Fall comes around, and the rains come, and the snows come, and springtime comes. And in that, that places where it was all charred and ash and all burnt up, there's grass that starts to grow. In fact, as you see it, the grass is very green and there's so much nutrition that's went back in the land. And, and even some trees start starting to bud and starting to grow. And even going back years later, you can see how sometimes it can be so much more lush as God has used that fire to kind of cleanse. You see, folks, God can begin a great work in you and he can take your ashes and he can make something beautiful out of it for his glory, for him. Let's pray. As you have your your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I know this is just a different message for me this morning. I'm, I'm used to going verse by verse, kind of topical, but the truth is, is that God wants to take you. He wants to take all the things in your life, all the tragedies, all the humanity and his sinfulness and everything, And he wants to take that and he wants to do a great work in your heart. And he wants to take those situations and those circumstances and he wants to transform it into something very beautiful for his name and for his glory. But you've got to yield yourself to him today. It may have been somebody that has wronged you in the past. 
was burnt. Boy, you were burned bad. Somebody that you need to just forgive. It's somebody that is tough, but you need to forgive. Oh, that relationship won't be right still. There's things that have to be worked out there, I'm sure, but you can forgive on your end. It may be God that you became bitter against. You need to ask God to... You need to, you need to understand God's bigger than whatever it is that you're bitter about. And ask Him to forgive you. Ask for that cleansing. The Bible's clear that we can have our... We can have that daily cleansing through Christ. And He's ready to forgive. There might be someone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, is still living in the ashes of their life and playing with these ashes. And wouldn't it be better to turn to the Lord and say, God, I'm, I'm going my own way and it leads to this. I want to accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. I want to confess my sin. The Bible's clear that God is... God has made a way through Christ that you can be forgiven. You don't have to be spend your life without God in a place called hell. But God's given a wonderful place called heaven, and you can have that cleansing through him. There might be someone here today that needs to just accept Christ as their Savior and bow their heart to him. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in hearts. Lord, I'm so thankful for how you are a God that can take our ashes and you can make something beautiful out of it. You can clothe us in your righteousness. And Lord, you can do a work. I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in hearts now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would stand to your feet, we're going to have a closing invitational song this morning. I want you to think about the words, when I survey the wondrous cross. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I pray that you'd come up and talk to me afterwards. If you need some prayer this morning, come up and talk with me also, or Pastor Daniel, or someone else you trust. Let's close in this song, when I survey the wondrous cross. i
God's love is so amazing, isn't it? What He has done for us. Isn't it great to know that He can change us from within and He can give us a home in heaven and He can do a great work. Let's just yield ourselves to Him today. I hope you can come back tonight to our evening service. We're going to have Ken Sprague talk about the Gideons. We'll take up the special offerings to get the Bibles out. And I'm looking forward to tonight. Let's pray and ask God's blessing as we go. Father, we're so thankful for Your love to us. Lord, I I pray that... um, This morning that your word would be an encouragement to folks, Lord, that we wouldn't resist um, you, but Lord, that we would just humble ourselves, that we'd come with a contrite heart and we would just get that cleansing from you. And uh, Lord, start living for you to give our all. Your love's so amazing. There's nothing we could offer. Our ashes (laughs) are nothing. But Lord, we want to give our life, the rest of our life to you. We love you now and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.